When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, who has not taken advantage of the week free trial of the fitness app yet? Check it out. It is a one-stop shop for all your fitness, nutrition, and wellness needs. Custom meal plans, personalized workout programs, meditations, sleep programs, community, support, and so much more. You can use it on any device, anywhere, any place, anytime. No equipment needed or all the equipment in the world is in there. There's yoga, there's kickboxing, there's audio-only workouts, there's HIIT training, weight loss programs, prenatal programs, anything and everything you can think of is in the fitness app. And if you go to thefitnessapp.com slash podcast deal, you can get 25% off an annual subscription for $89.99 a year. So check it out and start your free trial today. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right, team. Today's conversation is with a New York-based wellness consultant, certified strength coach, Nike running coach, but more importantly, the founder and creator of a company called Fit For Us that specialize in health equity, business of diversity, the art of branding and storytelling when it comes to fitness, um, and kind of just an all-around great guy. So... I am pretty excited to have this conversation because it's one that I have been wanting to have for a really long time with regard to, in particular, health equity. So putting aside the fact that this guy is a fantastic coach and a fantastic trainer, uh, which should go without saying is I wouldn't have him on the show if he wasn't, um, this is a pretty hot topic right now. And I mean hot as in uh, the hot to the touch, a scandalous, dangerous conversation, and most important, one that needs to be had desperately on a, a myriad of fronts. Um, you know, on I think how we communicate to different people across race, gender, orientation is important. And while I would be the first person to say, listen, you know. You can't be so sensitive. You can't let everybody offend you. You can't, you can't that. I think, you know, we got to be careful of false narratives um, across many different topics of conversation, but in particular, mine being, you know, wellness, obviously is worrisome to me to have false narratives about health. But the most important thing is that we capture the, the individual, right? So it could be right. There could be wrong. It could shouldn't be this way, has to be this way. No matter what, the goal is to reach someone, right? And to give them tools to live their best life. Um, And I'm feeling personally, and I'm going to say that I know other doctors um, and wellness professionals professionals that are non-Hispanic white people that are feeling like they are afraid to impart information on fitness or food or health and wellness because they don't want to be called racist. They don't want to be told, you know, you don't know anything about me. How dare you say anything? So, so I think that the problem is a lot of people are no longer saying things, which is worrisome because if you end up seeing a doctor and you're Hispanic and your doctor is not Hispanic and he's afraid to tell you 
that you're pre-diabetic, he's going to be concerned as racist or he doesn't want to counsel you on the fact that maybe you need to lose some weight because he doesn't want to be seen as ableist or any of these things, that's a problem, right? But but conversely, how he communicates with that person is what's going to determine, or not what's going to determine, but gives a better shot of reaching that person, right? But in a in a world where the truth is having to apologize to the narrative, these conversations are becoming more and more difficult to have. You know, you've got conversations like obesity being body goals or healthy in any size. These are, these are healthy in any size is a falsehood. Now you could be unhealthy at any size. That's hundred percent the truth, but healthy in any size isn't true. And the truth is hurting people's feelings. And while quite honestly, I want to be like, oh my God, dude, you know, what's going to hurt you more is like bankruptcy, heart disease, diabetes, all these things. Like, come on, you know, we got to just, we got to like, we got to get real here. Clearly there's some sort of middle ground between how to couch the truth without denying it. Does that make any sense? Cindy, you following me? You with me on this one? I see your face. You're nodding. Yeah. You're with me. I'm with you. I have to say that when I look at certain messages of virtue signalers, demagogues, big food and big pharma, which you and I have talked about before, right? Yeah. It's like, who's benefiting off of you being unhealthy? And why do you think you're getting these messages? And I was like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think that that's the intention, but certainly is killing a lot of people of color. So how do you have these conversations without being canceled, without, um, you know, without being considered, I don't know, racist, ableist, insensitive, fat shaming? Because I got to be honest, the truth of the matter is to leave it alone. Because that's what a lot of people are doing. They're like, I'm just not going to touch it. Fuck it. It's not my problem. Even though this is what I do, even though I'm a doctor, or I'm a trainer, or I'm a dietitian, I'm just not going to touch it. It's just too hot. And that- Well, it's not, it's not learning how to navigate changing times. I mean, right. it, it's- Right. It's accepting this is what is. And now I've got to pivot. I've got to adjust how- The message, how I navigate but it's so it. yeah. dangerous. I, yeah, it's such exactly. a minefield, Cindy- that people just opt yeah. out. And, right. and, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to opt out. I refuse to opt you. out. No, it's not me. Even though it's probably the same, smarter, safer thing to do. It's it good, is that's me. a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, so anyway, with that said, I particularly want to talk to Purcell about the messaging. You know, are, how, how would the messaging be better received for people in general? And for people of color, because um, this is what this guy does. And he sits at the perfect intersection, right? So he's a branding and marketing expert, but he's also a fitness expert and he's black. So he's the perfect person to really speak on this topic, in, in my opinion. Um, so this is a conversation I've been trying to figure out how to have for a really long time. <laughs> Let's see if my career is over after this show. We'll be right back. All right, team. You know, I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So I finally had to try their bras and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, the fits everybody t-shirt bra. I always get them in sand, so you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 to 46 H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,025, one. 
37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. Okay, guys, we are back with New York-based wellness coach, certified strength coach, Nike running coach, and creator of Fit For Us, Purcell Duggar. Purcell, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Jillian. Guys, how about that voice? I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to get through this. <laughs> I feel like I need to call it out so that your voice is not too much of a distraction for people out there. My God. I mean, maybe it's a good distraction, right? We all need a break sometimes. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But there are definitely going to be hearts breaking and people Googling <laughs> while they're listening to this freaking podcast. My goodness. Um, so, Purcell, I want to jump right in with you. I love what you're doing. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit specifically about Fit For Us. Yeah. What is it? Why did you start it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, 2020 was an interesting time for everyone. I think it was like peak, uh, like, protests, George Floyd, like Black Lives Matter, like every every day there was like an open letter being written by groups who were basically advocating for some level of like social equity and, and justice. And I think from my end, the storyteller in me, the writer in me noticed that a number of not just brands, but also practitioners were struggling to really narrate and articulate themselves in that moment when they were talking about uh, health equity, social justice. And I think what we did was understand that there's an opportunity for growth within how we market and how we tell stories with regards to wellness, specifically to consumers, right? Because I think oftentimes it can be a slippery slope for an individual, uh, a brand, yeah. um, just a practitioner in general, when they yeah. want to market themselves and they want to talk about their experiences and they want to attract a client, a customer, whoever it is. And they want to speak out on a moment, but maybe they don't have the words or maybe they're just completely off the mark, which, you know, is neither here nor there for me. I think it was really about seeing an opportunity to tell stories and speak to people in a way that they felt connected to and they felt like they belonged to. And I think I dare to ask the question, well, if they're not talking to me or if they're not talking to my community, I'm not going to sit around and wait for them to do that. I'm just going to start speaking up very loud and do it very intentionally. And uh, that was really the basis for Fit For Us and why we were founded. Okay. So I want to, I've been dying to have this conversation. And of course, it's a terrifying conversation to have. And then I learned about you and I was like, oh my God, finally somebody that I can just have like a candid, raw conversation with about this. So when you talk about feeling like the community isn't, the fitness community isn't speaking to the black community, am I interpreting that right? See, that's something that I never saw. We saw it and, and I appreciate like, I'm not black. So of course I'm not going to be sensitive to it. Right. But I always thought, or at least my message was, Hey, everybody needs to be fit. Everybody needs to be healthy. Everybody needs to eat well. Can you illustrate for me some of the ways you feel the black community was neglected in that messaging? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the first thing is to recognize that, you know, black folks like you know, a number of white people, not everyone thinks the same. We're not a monolith, right? There's not one linear thing that makes something for black people. However, right. when you talk about issues that are specific to race or any social injustice, right? There's an element of understanding that you should have and how to approach it, approach these moments in terms of your storytelling, storytelling and the language that you use. Explain. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. And I, and I like, I don't mean, I, I just want to be honest with you. Like, yeah, I don't even understand what you mean. So there's an author by the name of Bell Hooks. She has a book called All About Love. And what she says is honesty without empathy is cruelty. 
And it's a very powerful message when you think about it, because you and I can both be honest with someone in terms of what we're saying, right? Like okay, yeah. eating too much of this is bad for you, right? Right. But if you don't empathize with the experiences of me and, or, you know, when you tell that to someone, let's say, for example, I was listening to a previous episode and you were talking about how there are people out there that think the word junk food is problematic and rooted in racism, right? Yes. Right? Yes. Now I would argue that's not necessarily the case. However, I do recognize why they take issue with it because junk food is normally found in, first of all, it's inexpensive. It's super accessible. It's almost right. everywhere, right? Of course. In low income communities and families. Yes. It's probably the most accessible thing they have. And ultimately no one is really taking the time to educate them to say, Hey, like, they're not learning this in school. I didn't learn about diet and nutrition when I was in elementary school, right? And even if I did, if mom, if I don't have a choice and I'm a child or if I'm a teenager and I'm in high school and my mom is feeding me McDonald's because that's what she can afford and it's right across the street. When you say you eat junk all the time and you don't identify with me, it feels not necessarily they are intentionally doing this, but it can feel like someone's being judged by that. Like they're being talked down on. Now, is that racist? I don't think so. Do I think it can make someone feel like, you know what, I'm being called out. I'm being made to feel ashamed for the things I can't control, like my income. I'm a kid. I eat McDonald's because I like it. It's on my television and it's super accessible. And all my mom can afford is $5 for dinner. Right? So yeah. I say that to say, when stories are being told around nutrition, let's say I'm a, I'm a supplement brand, right? And I want to speak up about health disparities or specifically food insecurity. And I want to market this and I want to talk to it in a way that make people feel seen. And I want to specifically speak to this issue of food insecurity. I probably should have an understanding of what this community deals with and recognize that, hey, number one, these people are not, not experiencing joy. It's not like this community, this group is sitting around crying and miserable and like living a terrible life. Like people have been eating junk food for ages and been happy about it. So let's not, <laughs> let's, right, like, let's, let's, let's not, let's not right. fall into this mindset that like, when we tell a story, we have to solve world problem and world food and food insecurity. It's like people are experiencing joy in these spaces. However, there is a way to in, be inviting and be warm and be empathetic when we narrate around these topics. And I think oftentimes what happens is we're very, very, really, we're really quick to speak out and not really do a level of like learning and reflecting. Right. So that, that's what I mean. It's right. It's, it's speaking with empathy, understanding that, you know, when we talk about marginalized groups, like these people aren't here by people aren't in these positions by on by choice. Right. Like when I was born in Coney Island, Brooklyn, like I didn't know where I was. I didn't know I was living in a food desert. It, it didn't really dawn on me until I became an adult. And even then, when I realized it, I still had a great childhood. So it's like, don't when you market towards me and when you speak out to issues in regards that are, are, are attempting to narrate around these, these, these subject matters, don't do it in a way, it would be in everyone's best interest if you did it in a way that didn't like insinuate that I was less than for circumstances that were out of my control. Does that make sense? It does. I guess personally, I would think, well, people of all races eat shit. I, and I mean, like yeah. when I see shit, I mean, shit, shit. <laughs> and I, I just would never think that it was specific to the black community. I mean, because right. I've been to middle America and it's like I've driven across the country and it's just right. shit after shit after shit. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's it could be a predominantly white area. So it's to be honest, you're right. I, I have no understanding of how a black child in a poor community might feel it's directed at them, because in my mind, I've seen everybody eat this stuff. Right, right. Um. And so and, there's, and, there is just a lack of understanding completely. Right. And, and I, in, I, yeah, I'm sorry, continue, to, continue. Yeah. And to, and to that point, it's right. It's like, there are ways that we can create conversations around the differences that we all deal with and what make us different and unique in our in terms of our experiences, but not do it without doing it in a way that is patronizing. Right. And I think oftentimes as health practitioners, as wellness practitioners, as coaches, we're sought after in terms of, you know, our level of expertise and understanding, not recognizing that we can build more buy-in collectively from our community consumers, right? People who just want to get in shape, who want to live better and healthier lives. If we first seek to understand their experiences and the things that they are just navigating on a day-to-day, -day, 
before we decide to be the authoritative figure and tell them this is like the definitive thing or this is what you need to be doing. It's like, ah, get to know them first. And I think if you, this is business, right? So we're talking about marketing. If you can't get to know them because you are this big old macro company, then hire people who have a level of understanding and put people in the room, i.e. fit for us, a creative agency, right? In the room that understand how to narrate at this intersection between wellness and culture. I want to talk about, I want to flip the script here for a second and talk about the problem. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say it's a problem, man. And, and it is disproportionately, obesity mm-hmm. is disproportionately affecting people of color, in particular, black women. Four out of five black women, statistics tell us, are overweight or obese and are being disproportionately affected by heart disease, diabetes, and 170 other comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And when you're now in a situation where you want to say, just as I would say to any human on the planet, hey, this is going to kill you. I, I'm now hearing things like, oh, you and your Western European beauty ideals. I'm not Western <laughs> European, by the way. Right, I just right, right. saw that. But I, I'm like, wait, hold, wait a second. Right. And when you when you start intimidating an entire group of people, whether they're doctors or whether they're fitness trainers, into advocating for health, you've got like the reverse problem. Now doctors are afraid to tell their patients they're obese because they don't want to be called racist. Right. And it's cutting off help where there should be help. I, right. I think back to the day when I worked with black people all the time. No one thought anything of it. Now I'd be terrified to, to make a comment. It's like, how dare you? You right. don't understand. And it's how how do you then cross that bridge? Because um, yeah. I know you're saying empathy, but like, what is it then that I need to understand to be able to address these statistics? That's a great question. I think before crossing the bridge, right? You kind of got to get to the toll, got to get in the car, right? You got to familiarize yourself and you got to drive across, right? So if we're we're talking about these disparities that exist, they exist and to look at them in a linear point of view is is probably not the best thing to start with. That's how I look at it. Yeah, black and white, no pun intended. I'm like, heavy is heavy, heavy will kill you. Listen, I'm a coach. This statistic says this, you need to move more. My job is to get you to move more. Exactly, that's how I see. And if I'm being fair, I've made that mistake as a coach early in my career, right? Okay, yeah. Specifically as it pertains to, to, to black women, right? You first have to understand that there are a number of black people who have a disposition towards the healthcare system institution, right, in this country. Mainly when you think about uh, the gentleman's name is uh, J. Marion Sims. He was like the founder of gynecology. And okay. he, you know, I'm not going deep dive into his story. He became like the godfather of gynecology. Part of what made him famous was that he experimented on the bodies of slaves. Now, this is like a well-known fact. It's not like this is a rumor and this is hearsay. Like it's understood. Like there are organizations that have like put statues of him at universities and then later had them taken down. So when you take that into consideration and the fact that that history is understood by most predominantly black women, right? It gives a level of insight into why they would be more hesitant to just widely accept that, you know what? I need to just change everything about me and listen to this person who, in, in the case of you, right? Doesn't really identify me outside of our gender, Right. Right. In terms of their recommendation for what I need to be doing with my my body. If a doctor had that conversation with you and understood that going into any conversation about you and your health, it would probably inform how I go about and the the choices of words that I use in terms of navigating this, this, this dance between getting you to buy into the fact that your approach in your current lifestyle does have an outcome that is going to impact and cut years off your life. Yeah. And if that is my purpose in life is to support you, I'm not the, I'm not the driver of the vehicle as a health practitioner, right? As a, right. As a coach, but I'm very sure. much a GPS and it's yep. like, Great my analogy. job is to guide you. Right. But in order to guide you correctly, I got to first understand who you are before you walk through the door, the healthcare system, the fitness industry, it prioritizes profit over people. 
So when doctors, and this is regardless of race and skin color, when you come into a doctor office and you sit down and you schedule your appointment, they, it's almost like they try to rush you to get out of there because they got so many patients they got to see. Oh, they so ask you a true. bunch of high level questions. 100%. When was the last time you went, had a doctor's appointment and you felt warm and really like they cared about you as a human, right? It probably took you to go through umpteen many doctors, umpteen doctors to get to that point. And it's the same thing when dealing with trainers. It's like you go to these people, they just talk at uh, consumers or clients. So just people in the community, like they're machines, like they're not humans with experiences. And I think as a marketer and as a coach, it's super important to understand that people are the summation of their experiences and to be able to understand those experiences and have empathy towards them oh, in regards to them will help me be more empathetic and will ultimately help me be a better coach and a supporter of them and their goals. In order to make somebody feel seen, you have to see what they see and experience it to a degree. And currently I would argue that it's part of the reason why fitness has an exclusivity problem. It's because the story is being told and who they're being told to it's like one, one very linear group. And I'm, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's racist, but I can say that that contributes to some of the disproportionate things that we mentioned earlier. Right. It's like, okay. okay. As an okay. advertiser, right. Like we can control the kind of content that we build. I mean, create to build buy-in from communities. And that is strategic. That's intentional. And I want to be a part of those conversations and really shift you know, and pivot in terms of not just thinking about, oh, it's representation. Let's just throw more black people in this, in this, in this commercial and everyone to love it. It's not that simple. And that also the impact of doing that is not going to address or solve how heart disease or obesity or diabetes disproportionately impacts our community. Okay. We got to take a break, but when we come back, I want to dig in even more with you. We will be right back with Priscilla Duggar. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, we are back with colleague... Priscilla Duggar, awesome, badass, trainer extraordinaire. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going deeper with you here, okay? Cool. So I'm looking at it, right? And I'm seeing, I understand the concept of not marketing to the community, the Black community appropriately. But I would say more dangerously that the messaging is now, oh, don't worry about it. Healthy at any size. No, no, no. You know, at this is body goals. This is awesome. This is great. This is celebrated. And my daughter's adopted. She's Haitian and she struggles with, with food big time. And she's not overweight. She just struggles. She's because her, by the way, genetics, in my opinion, are insane. The child is five, seven at 12 years old mm. and solid muscle, but she eats horribly. So, and it's, it's an emotional thing. And People will say things like, oh, I hope you don't right, put your white beauty ideals on her or, mm. um, well, you know, that child is black, insinuating that she's meant to be heavier. Mm. I'm not, I hear it constantly from white people and black people. And I find that outrageous and offensive. And I want to know if you find that outrageous and offensive because never in my experience was black associated with genetically overweight just wasn't you right. might have a great ass you know what i mean <laughs> but but in in my experience with people who are black they, if i'm going to make a generalization they tend to be incredible athletes the exact opposite of this stereotype so i find that to be like bananas i think that that message is one of oppression that when you're telling people of color like now nah, you're good 
nah, nah. Oh no, body goals. I'm like, this has got to be, where's, this is nuts. I do think it, it is oppressive in nature, but I don't know that it's limited to, to people of color or black folks in general, right? I think. I see it particularly with black women. I yeah, see it constantly. And, and, and that's fair. I, I do think that is, again, I, I don't think, I do agree that there are, and, and it's not limited to black people. I think there are a number of people, but in, in this instance, who are miseducated in their understanding of physiology, right? The body, how it works, how it's structured, how genetics play into people's outcomes, but also simultaneously how one can impact genetics, right? Like just because you are, you know, born from this and lived here and ate this doesn't mean that you will end up like this, right? You do have a choice at the end of the day. A hundred percent. However, I would also argue that the way our industry the way the stories are told in our industry, they lend themselves to normalize problematic behavior and problematic thinking, right? For example, a magazine. You look at a woman on the cover of Vogue, Shape, and Self, I would argue that they're predominantly likely going to be a white woman, right? And based off of that, based off of that body type, that's a message being told that she's beautiful and she's great and that's cool. You go, you go get yeah. a number of black women or just one black woman, right? And you put her in Sports Illustrated yeah. in a bikini, right? Not in a dress, just in a bikini because it's Sports Illustrated. And she's curvy. And now we're talking about like, this is the 90s, right? Yeah. There's only but so many different mediums that we can absorb information and like actually engage with media and celebrities. If she's curvy and she's busty and she is the closest thing to looking like me, right? And my brain... I can't, I can't fault someone for thinking, well, that's how we're supposed to look. Or this is what I'm supposed to aspire to. Or this is normal. And then look at someone who looks different and go, well, that's what they're supposed to look like. Like, I don't, I don't blame consumers whose psychology is being impacted by marketing for how they think all the time. I do think there's a level of responsibility that the industry, that the storytellers, that the brands in terms of the stories that they tell and the way they choose to tell stories are responsible for, in part, for why people think the way that they think. Because we all know, as coaches, we know other coaches who say problematic, inappropriate, downright, bro science, bullshit, excuse my language, right? No, please. Regularly. Yeah. And yeah. that's independent of their race. We're not even talking about what they look like. So does that exist in predominantly black and brown communities, people of color, white communities? Absolutely. And is that the kind of stuff that resonates within communities and people buy into. And then when children, right, are taught this at home from their parents and like, like the idea of being big boned, right? Like, yes. Or the idea of even, um, you can't have high cholesterol if you're like a, a skinny person, like lean to people means healthy. And it's like, that's right, the know. That's absurd. The truth, yeah. That's right? so good. But, yeah. But, it, but it's again, not, it's, it's like, not healthy at any size. It's you can be unhealthy at any right, size. Right. Right. Yeah. And, but, but I would argue that people who, especially if they're not in the space, it's like, well, who taught you that? Right. Well, when we, when we have, when we have, <laughs> we have, we have doctors who are accredited for being like the founder of an actual practice, right. In terms of like gynecology, who are like experimenting on women's bodies and saying yeah. his, his justification was, Hey, uh, they don't, they don't feel pain in the same way that white women do. So let's oh, use their Jesus, bodies. Right. Really? Like that was, that okay. was his science. So if that okay. could happen in the, in the 18th, 19th century or whatever it is, oh, right. Yeah. Then simultaneously, it's like, well, if we fast forward to 2022 and we have people who, you know, further all kinds of pr- problematic logic, mm. I, I just choose to re- educate and, and support the mindset and the learnings of practitioners. And I think if we can start there, right? Cause ultimately we're the ones who get sought after. Like someone's going to listen to you way a lot sooner and will buy in and, and, and follow your lead in terms of the knowledge that you give them way more than they'll listen to, you, you know, some coach or uh, some random guy like in the office or something who says, yeah, this, this, this thing really helps me with my health. It's like you're Jillian Michaels and, there's a level of buy-in that you automatically get from the community. And it's really incumbent for you and other practitioners like myself to continue to learn and be the voices for, to kind of like offset this, this, this really I, problematic I scream, language. I want to scream though. I yeah. literally want to scream. Like there was, there was a show that I worked on years ago called Losing It. 
Okay. And I went into a Native it made American. Did you want to lose it? Did it make you want to lose it? it? Me- <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually did, to be fair. Right. So I was, in, I was invited in to work with the Yavapai Apache tribe, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I go in and of course they're being disproportionately affected by diabetes, obesity, and I'm looking at the food. And one of the worst offenders, which is part of their their culture now, was it like a meat that's like really high in a certain kind of fat? Oh God, that rolled into something called fry bread, and they're mm-hmm. very attached to this. And then probably get more shit for attacking this stuff again. And this fry bread is like processed white flour, fried in lard. And I'm like, this stuff is complete shit. Like, you guys got to stop eating this. Oh, my God. Offended, furious. How dare you? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. Number one, you invited me in here. Number two, we're all human. Number three, since we're going to look at this from a cultural perspective. Okay. Educate me. Where does right. it come from? And Purcell, you know where it came from? When they were all rounded up after the Trail of Tears and put in camps and all the elders were killed and all the men were killed. They were given like a block of lard and all this shit. And that's where fry bread came from. It literally mm. is the is the incarnate. It's the, the physical representation of their oppression, their enslavement. And, I, and they and they cherish it. And I cannot. And I see it. I see it across brown communities black communities and then you're because you're not brown and you're not black you have no right to say anything and i and i back then i was a little more emboldened to challenge it but now you know i'm i want to i want to be like this this, no this is bad like you guys gotta this is a trick this is you know and i i don't know how to communicate anymore i've lost my ability to communicate because i would argue that what i'm supposed to understand i would point out as like this shit comes from the people that have been oppressing you for years, this food mm-hmm. and this lifestyle and the drug companies that are profiting off your sickness. Those mm-hmm. are black owned drug companies. Who right. do we think owns these, these food companies and these drug companies? Black people, people of color? I don't think so. So if we're going to go down that road of what's true oppression, how does someone like me then tell the story, babe? I would pause and, and okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would Fair. definitely pause. And but the reason being is that all those things can be true, right? Like okay. there's there's okay. a gentleman. Um, he was he was a a, a big person, uh, Andre Talley. He was like a fashion icon. He was Anna Wintour's like executive assistant and like a creative director at Vogue magazine back in like for, I don't know over twenty some years. Um, he died. He was, he was always a big guy. He lived to be like 77 years old. Okay. Um, you know, Marcus Garvey, uh, Harriet Tubman, um, to, to an extent like Dr. King, like history yeah. is, is, is filled with people of a certain body type. Right. And within these communities, within my community, you know, like we call it soul food or comfort food, but there are a number of people who would argue that the way that food is prepared and, and and some of the ingredients in that food is like really, really bad for you. Right. And fair, go ahead, say that. Right. But simply because that community is engaging with something that is attached to their culture and, and subsequently their identity. Right. Yeah. When you, yeah. when you, when you are talking about it, you're not just critiquing their health and food choices. You're critiquing them personally. You're, you're, you're exactly I think the conversation just needs to evolve right. past their physiological, I mean, their physical health and appearance. Is this food making them feel good? Is it bringing their community together? together? And how does that make them feel emotionally, right? How does oh, these, God. How, sure. how is this impacting their mental health in these moments? Because I would argue right. that there are plenty of people out here who eat, as, as the term we used earlier, like junk food, right? There are plenty of people yeah. who eat whatever got, you know, whatever they want to eat and live however they want to live. But who am I outside of being a, a, a marketer, a consultant, right? And a coach, who am I to discern whether or not they're experiencing joy in that moment? But because it's your job to make them healthy. That's what no, you and I, I do. No, 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 no. Joy. So I, 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 I would pause and say that okay, okay. I, our job is to support people's commitment to wanting to live a healthier life through movement. Right. Like as a trainer, not diet, 
So I have to have those conversations with people, right? I have to be well versed in those, but there are moments where both, I take a, both. right. But there are moments where I defer to the expertise of a registered dietitian because I know that even if I have a nutritionist certification, that my actual but I can an stand RD on my ground. But an going to tell you that shit is bad. And uh, and again, for you, would, bad for you. Right, right. Your but health. again, I, I I would argue that that is not a linear experience specific to this one community, meaning. In every culture, in every community, there's something associated with what they put in their bodies that somebody can look at and point at and say, hey. But I'm allowed to say it to white people. I'm not allowed to say it to black people. And that's where I'm like, this is this is dangerous. No, no, no. no. So again, it's not you keep saying people and I'm saying it's not it's not a person thing. It is a cultural thing. And like, here's a good example. Michelle Obama, who's a black woman, right? Like, you don't know who that is. She had a campaign years ago, right? And it was, it was really, it was talking about food and it was talking about movement and exercise, right? And it was talking about helping children. She got a ton of slack for that. And it was not because she was a black woman telling people not to eat, whatever it was. It was because there were people who were, didn't identify as black, right? People in middle America yeah. who were like, you are talking down on me. You're absolutely and right. What now I that eat. I, I recently just listened to a whole thing about that and how people, kids were at school saying they were hungry and everyone mm-hmm. was pissed. You're and, absolutely and, right. So, so again, yep. it's not, so let's, let's take those children, for example. It's not the fact that they're eating chips over apples are these kids experiencing joy when they eat these chips is it is it is it taking away from their life in a way that they are definitively going to die and be miserable for the rest of their life but that i would preach can... balance though okay okay so see but that's different right i wouldn't Saying, celebrate obesity I, I, I never said celebrate but no, you did a, not there, you there's did a, not. There's a difference not between you, but c- right. c- culture or, or right, a, right, right. in the zeitgeist of pop culture. Right. right. And, and, but, but that's not the point, you. right? There's a, there's a difference between encouraging balance and saying, don't do this. You're going to die. You shouldn't do this. They're not, those are not the same. Even the words aren't the same. So the feelings associated with those words are going to be different. And I think that if I think the learning here is, is for everyone, myself included. Yeah. Like, Let's talk more about balance. Let's talk more about like painting a, a more diverse plate and talk about the benefits of a balanced diet. You can have that conversation and not come off as a patronizing, aggressive, rude, like quote unquote white woman, right? Because you right. think differently than them. But if you just jump in there and go, you need to stop eating this. The doctor <laughs> says this and da, da, da. Yeah, they have every right to look at you, roll your eyes and tell you to shut up. Like I, I, I would have been in like, Jillian, I don't know. You might want to just, you know what? <laughs> Come over here with me. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Right. But again, right. it's like we again, if you if you lead with empathy first. Right. Right. It won't come across as cool, cruel. But that takes time. That takes a little bit of research. It takes understanding. And oftentimes, you know, like I would imagine there was a level of like, I don't know, you said they, like they invited you there. You came there. I would imagine you, there was a level of time constraint. You got things to do. Right. Like, I don't know if this we, was, we had a week. We did have a week. Right. Uh, we have yeah, one week. And right. you're supposed and to kind of years. analyze what's going on, right? So I'm right. like, okay, guys, we got to turn this around. Like, this is a, definitely a part of the problem. This is definitely a part of the problem. And then it's like, oh, we, you know, this food. And I was like, if we're really going to look at this food for what it is, let's really mm-hmm. look at it for what it is. What part of your culture does this represent? Right. And then, it, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, before this, we had ash bread. And of course, ash bread is like, it, great for you comes all whole grain all everything right. natural from the land made in the fire ash baked and i'm thinking why how do i get you to look at the fry bread and what part of your culture it represents and swap it out with the ash bread because of what part of the culture that represents and it's just i don't obviously i have just don't think we really got anywhere right. long term with that dialogue. And I, I definitely said to the woman that brought me in, who was on the tribal council, one of the, one of the leaders of the community. And I was like, dude, you're going to have to, like, I'll give you the info, right? but it's, it's going to have to come from you specifically. Um, 
because this is something like I I have no 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 place in. And I I'm just looking at your messaging and and I'm like this is such an important message at a time where I think people are being fed in some cases dangerous messages. I think there are virtue signalers mm-hmm. and demagogues. Mm-hmm. Is the truth of that? I mean, also if I could call some of this out, like when I hear all of this, like healthy at any size, it's coming from the skinniest white bitches I've ever seen in my life. A lot of times, <laughs> and I'm like, you liar! Yeah. And I just look at this and I'm like, how are you guys buying this bullshit from either big food? Big pharma, virtue signalers, demagogues that are using you for your vote to try to placate you. And I'm looking at it like that, right? And I just want to jump up and down and scream like, this is a trick. You're being manipulated. You're being played. And and then you've got all those companies you're talking about that are like, how do we talk to people of color? And they're getting it all wrong, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I clearly have been getting it wrong or got it wrong in the past. And that's why I think what you are doing is so important because you're coming at it with knowledge. You're coming at it with empathy. And when I say knowledge, I mean, as an actual expert, right. Right. And as an empathetic human being, and then you have the authority to speak on it because you are black. So it's kind of tough to, to say, you know, like I, there's so many men that are like, well, I don't, I'm not a woman, so right, I'm not right. going to offer my opinion. I'm like, well, hold, hold, there's a, you know, hold on. Yeah. If it's in your area of expertise, you're allowed to, but it is that fine line, you know, that you're talking about. I would ask you, like, when you are approaching mm-hmm. um, women of color that are disproportionately affected by obesity, you're talking to them right now. You are. How do you, what do you say to them to say maybe like, hey, maybe this isn't body goals. Maybe you're capable of X, Y, and Z. Like, talk to them for me. Right now, what do you, what do we say? I mean, you know, that's like, if that was like manifested in a person, that's like my mom, my sister, my, I got four sisters, my, you know, girlfriend or like what my homegirls are a client. Right. And I think a big thing that I do with the women who I train, specifically like the black woman who I train is affirm them. Um, here's a good example before and after pictures very much seen as like a thing within our community. Like, and I say community, I mean, fitness community. Yes. Like, you know, like big, small, and it's implied not never depends on the person, but never overtly stated, but it's the, uh, it's implied that this is like bad, good. Right. (laughs) And I'm I'm the person who comes in and says, I want you to know that you were an amazing human before and after, like in both sides of these, the difference was your level of of commitment. Right. And that's what I care about, because that's going to be the difference between you having a breakthrough and making progress versus continuing to feel like you're less than or you're incapable of. And it's my job to tell you that you are essentially an amazing person, whether you feel like it or not. And before and after this picture is taken. So that would be what I would do. I would affirm them. And I I continue to affirm them in the work that I do. And I think it's really important to just pull people's superpowers out of them. Because that's why they came to us in the first place. It's like I I agree with you completely, yeah. and only so, from this place of them feeling empowered right. can they make the changes. But how do you? Let's say they haven't come to you. How do you inspire them to maybe make some changes? Ah oh, man, I I do that's it. That's the sh- tough part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, like, for how me, do you say it? Because it's like fuck you, fat shamer. I'm like fat shamer. Nah, oh my god. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm I, like, I, was, when did this become fat shaming of like trying to get somebody? To have the absolute best quality of life for the absolute longest amount of time. It's the, it's the opposite. It's actually caring about that person and knowing they're capable, but presume they haven't come to you yet. Right. Well, I think there's a, well, for me specifically, how I do it, if they haven't come to me, I just make sure that the language that I'm using is inclusive and not exclusive. Like we were talking about earlier. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm I, like, I'm my choice of words is to make, is to invite I think oftentimes we want people to come to us, but we, here's a good example. I know trainers who say this is a killer ab workout. That doesn't resonate with my mama. That doesn't resonate with like my girlfriend. That doesn't resonate with like one of my homies somewhere or somebody I know, because when they think about fitness, they already think it's too hard. They already think it's something that they can't do. So the moment you lead with killer, it's like, I don't want to die. 
right? I'm, I'm, right. I'm not doing that workout, right? So it's like, if I want to be inviting towards or be an ally, if you will, to people who identify, you know, black women, right? Then okay. I'm going to show up in ways that make them feel seen. Meaning I'm probably going to put up a post that talks about keeping um, like a silk scarf in my bag in case they got to tie up their hair. Right. Because right. that's something specifically to black women I that like understand. really is yeah. a barrier. I right? understand like, the hair. Yes. hundred percent. It's like tell stories that make people feel like, Oh, this person like thought of me today and not just like, Hey, you're fat ass into getting shit. Like that's the kind of language that makes it's the reason why fit for us has to exist because there are coaches who have had success with talking to people like that. Like something that I know that you have to, like you've had to like navigate is that like when you were on the biggest loser, you didn't intentionally were not trying to come off a certain way, right? You were being a coach, but there were people who might've seen you coaching in that moment and be like, man, she's aggressive. I don't know if I like the way she was talking to him in that moment. Right. Does yeah. that mean that Jillian's a bad person? Does that mean that Jillian didn't have great intentions? Does that even mean that she was doing something wrong? Right. Like, but then there's probably, a, I'm not saying this did happen. I'm saying there's probably a community of people out there who freaking love that. Who was like, right. Yes. You're right? spot on. Of course. Yeah. There, right? you, they, there are people that hated me and people that love right. me. 100%, and, right. And I think to that point, it's like, as a coach, I'm thinking one person only. And I'm thinking of the people who, it's not even about, oh, these communities are disproportionately impacted, so they need it the most. I'm not even with that logic. I'm thinking about how do I show up and invite people and make people. But if who, we're going to talk about inequality and wellness, we have to look at that. Yeah. Because that's they, fair. they are being, I mean, it, it's like the elephant in the room. And not only is everyone afraid, not you, right. but I think people that should be helping are now terrified to help, which is a dangerous thing. Well, I think and, part of the reason is because they know they're not probably equipped to have the conversation with a level of empathy and skill that I'm able to have it with. Right. Like, well, yeah. Coach, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest with you. If everyone that we knew, right, was yeah. able to like express themselves on this topic with a level that I am, regardless of what they look like, wouldn't our industry be a better place? And don't you think of more course. people would have an opportunity to have a, yes. a better outcome? If I'm a coach and I see that my opinion is being is getting people canceled, if you will, right? I can either do what a lot of pop coaches. That's stupid. That's dumb. People are sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great, cool. You, you did that thing, but people' feelings aren't changing. People's nope. behaviors aren't changing, right? And if I'm being fair, your role is to be a service provider in the industry that says it wants people to be healthy and offers services that, that give people the opportunity to improve their health. So I would argue, hey, coach, you might want to figure out a new way to talk about these things. Or- That's what you're here for. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's like, yeah, like I think, I think it, there's a level of learning that should happen. And I think too many times coaches, you know, we're so used to being an expert and sought after that in reality, it's okay to step back and say, you know what, I don't know enough. I need to learn more. Like the conversation I was having about the OBGYN earlier. It's like, yeah, learn the history of how black women specifically, their bodies have been mistreated by this healthcare system, right? And then go and have a conversation with them about, well, you need to be doing this because I'm a doctor and I said so. It's like, um, a lot of doctors said a lot of things to black women over the years and you can't fault yeah, them but for there's, having- come, but come on, black women are- intelligent they yeah. they know yeah. that this is dangerous hey. and it's like do you think they don't know that like let's say eating friggin' all processed crap from you know mcdonald's is going to kill them and anybody else if they do it consistently for a long period of time they know that no matter who says it i know they know it i know they do deep down i mean whether they know or not it's still exist that how you say it right you gotta say it okay yeah like my job is to be a coach and to help you make better decisions that are going to guide and inform and help you have a sustainable relationship with health and fitness right if you have mcdonald's every now and then i'm going to talk to you about it but like that doesn't mean that because you eat this food that somehow you are not a happy person or experiencing joy within your life and even though you are eating this food and you're doing this thing we can have conversations around how this impacts you and your health without it being patronizing and without talking down on you. And I think the more practitioners 
stop using their licenses and certifications as license to just talk down on people and assert themselves so as authority figures. you think it is talking down on people and I, that I must think, be how no, no, no. This communi- or certain communities are interpreting it. Because to me, I'm like, this is just bad for you. It's going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's, no, no, it no, just seems it's, like it's, fact. It's, it, so again, honesty without empathy is cruelty. Like it, something can be true and be cruel in the manner in which it's told. If you come at me with that language, you failed. You didn't make the change in my life. What I love the most and what I really personally am hearing is the invite piece. It's like, how do you invite them? That's mm-hmm. that's really something that I have to think about because it's, I don't like the, the false me- false narrative scares me. I'm, I'm not stepping off of that one. I think that, that, that there agree. are dangerous there are powers that be yeah, selling no. a false narrative that's doing harm. And I honestly I will do whatever I can to get around that false narrative and expose mm-hmm. it in a, in the, and if, and it's like, if it requires me learning to, to be more inviting, like you're suggesting, right. I will do it because. And that, that, I, that deserves I, like applause and like a good thing coach. Cause like you, I would argue that a lot of practitioners don't have the patience. Cause they're not actually committed to wanting to help people. That's the difference. When you, when your work is rooted and your purpose is rooted in truly helping people, you'll figure out a way versus like, if you just want to make some money, I'm going to say and behave in whatever way is making me the most money. And our industry conducts itself that way. And that's, that is profit over people. Cause if they really cared about people, and these conversations wouldn't happen in such a transactional talking at you kind of way. Okay, Prasal, I got to do uh, this one question with you. It's called the question of the week. And it's when people send in questions, obviously. And the one I picked out, I think is actually really appropriate for you. Cool. Where do you feel wellness is moving to with regard to new trends? A new trend that I'm seeing um, is people having a more like, evolve an expansive understanding of like movement, like no gone are the days where people feel like they only have to go to the gym and, you know, grab a dumbbell to get a good yes, workout in. Like absolutely. I think we are seeing a, a, a bubble and I would argue maybe it had to do with COVID and the impact on the industry, but it's being normalized and popularized to not just work out in your home, but simultaneously um, it's being normalized to just move in non-traditional ways, like jump rope, uh, dancing like people have been doing this for years but it's almost as though social media is like celebrating it in a way that wasn't the case maybe five or six years ago and i think that's a great thing there you go so i I mean i i definitely definitely appreciate everything you're doing and everything you're talking about and how do i even offer you to the world here like we're offering it fit for us to corporations gyms I would honestly say food and pharma should really start having conversations with you if, if their intentions are good good and not bad. Right. Um, but tell me more because trainers can sign up at Fit For Us. Yeah, it's twofold. Well, first and foremost, uh, we are a creative agency. So we create uh, at the intersection of wellness and culture. That's where we like narrate and innovate. Uh, we have a series of uh, brand partners that we create uh, advertisements and like marketing campaigns for. Um, and on top of that, we do a series of like experiential is what the, is the language we use in the industry, but events basically um, around, our, you know, our brand partners uh, and all their services and products. Uh, and this is like not limited to fitness brands, but rather anything that intersects with wellness. That could be food, that could be beauty, that could be hair. Um, if it's a story to be told around something that intersects with wellness, we're down to explore it. Um, and secondarily, uh, we are also a community of practitioners who offer workshops uh, diversity training and, or, uh, just social moments for coaches to come together and really network and hang out and just learn from one another. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. That's fit for us. Uh, check us out on Twitter. That's fit for us org. Um, and if you, you know, like what I was saying today, follow me on Instagram. That's good work. G O O D W R K. Thank you so much, Priscilla. I really appreciate the talk and the time and all the work you're doing. And thank God I could like have this conversation with somebody because people don't give you a safe enough space to even have the conversation. Right. You know, if that makes any sense. No, that does. It and, does make sense. And you did give me that and made me feel safe enough to explore this stuff and be transparent and honest. 
and share ideas and learn from you. And um, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Not a problem, Jillian. Thanks for having me. If you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it just helps us get the show out there, get it heard by more people. We'd really appreciate it.